I'm Danny, that witch next door, and you're listening to That Witch Podcast. everyone. Welcome to another episode here at That Witch Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm the witch next door, and I'm going to be your host, your guide, your mentor, and instructor in all things magic, witchcraft, astrology, and witchy business. And today is definitely leaning into that witchy business side of things. I'm very excited about this because whether you want, maybe you're a full-time uh, spiritual service provider yourself, or maybe that's a dream you have, or maybe you have your own side business, or maybe you just want to kind of start giving different tarot readings or pendulum readings or astrology readings for fun to your friends and family or acquaintances, uh, you might want to stick around for this one. I think that this is going to be a pretty helpful episode. So this is technically a part two of two. Uh, last week, on Tuesday, we did how to get the most out of your spiritual reading or session. So we did this whole similar experience from the client or customer's point of view. And today we're going to do the whole same thing from the spiritual provider's point of view. And today is all about how to sustainably provide quality spiritual services every single time. So if you didn't already catch last week's episode, um, I definitely recommend listening to that potentially first. I guess you don't have to. But I think part of the reason that I felt called to doing the customer perspective first is because that's kind of how most of us get into the industry. Uh, we start out as customers and, and clients and, and we then become our own service providers. So uh, you might want to give that a listen first if you didn't already, or if this is your first episode here, which hi, welcome by the way. And if this is not your first time, hello and welcome back. I love to have you. So let's dive right the hell in. This is perfect timing. I didn't even do this on purpose, but today uh, this is coming out on May 17th, Tuesday, and tomorrow on Wednesday, May 18th, we have Mars in Pisces, which really it's kind of like in the middle of the night. It's 1233 AM mountain time. Uh, Mars in Pisces conjunct Neptune and Pisces, which conjunct means uh, united or merged together. They're, 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 uh, right on top of each other and merging and combining their energies. And Mars is our planet of action and doing. And Neptune is our planet of dreams and faith and spirituality. And so what a perfect energy combo, right? But then to get inspired to learn more about and actually do it, actually try giving uh, some spiritual services. Or like I said, if you're already doing this, uh, maybe this will motivate you to change things up. Maybe this will give you some fresh perspective when you head into your, your next client sessions, okay? I'm very excited to talk about this because I really haven't publicly talked about this that much. Well, on my more public platform. So this is a subject I talk about with my one-on-one -on -one clients a lot, especially if you're in business mentorship with me. You know, we talk about uh, client experience and different tips and things like that, but I haven't really done an episode on it and I haven't even, you know, posted anywhere about it. So I'm excited to start 
start diving into this subject. This will not be the last time we talk about stuff like this. But notice how in the title, I made it a point to say how to sustainably provide quality spiritual readings or sessions every single time. This is the perfect lead into our first tip, which by the way, is identical to the first tip. Well, I guess it was the second tip, but it was one of the first tips from the last episode, from the last Tuesday uh, when we did this from the customer journey, okay? Which is there needs to be an understanding and a mutual respect of time and schedule and all of those boundaries going into this, during, and afterward. Here's where we start to differ from the customer journey, however. It is now, now that we're in the role and the shoes and the eyes of the service provider, it is now your responsibility. We take it a step further. It's not just an obligation. It is now your responsibility to create those boundaries and maintain and hold them. It's the customer's responsibility to respect them, right? It's their obligation to also uphold them. But it's your responsibility at the end of the day to actually uphold them. If that differentiation, I hope that makes sense. Um, Now, here's what this means. This is a broad topic. When it comes to your time boundaries as a business owner, you really need to think about more than just how long your sessions are going to be. I really think that that's, we we can be so short-sighted when we plan out the structure and, and plans for our business. We need to be way more broad. We need to think about things from way more points of view, okay? We need to take a big step back and realize when it comes to time boundaries in business, this encompasses a fuck ton of things. Yes, it does encompass the duration of your sessions, and you do need to give that some thought. Um Way back in the day, my sessions used to be an hour, my astrology readings, and I called them astrology readings. Uh, That's how I listed them and marketed them. They were like birth chart readings or whatever I said, and they were 60 minutes. Here's the deal. I, shocker, I blew, (coughs) blew past 60 minutes every single time, every single time. Um, and the few times that I actually stayed within my 60 minute range, I found myself crazy rushing, like crazy trying to cram in and as much information as possible. And I could tell that I would lose the customer, meaning like lose their understanding. I'd, I'd lose them on comprehension. And so that was one of the first time boundaries that I had, I learned from and adjusted. And keep in mind, you're not going to get any of this right the first time. I just want to point that out. All of the plans and like tips we go over, if you're a new business owner, <laughs> you're not going to get any of these things right the first time. That's impossible. Everybody, everybody, even the people with access to as much time and resources and money as possible make humongous blunders. We, you literally learn through experience. That's Saturn and Saturn rules over matters of career. So trust me when I say you're going to learn through experience no matter what. But when we learn these things ahead of time, when we learn all these concepts, it helps us face those lessons 
uh, head on and much more mindfully so we can actually use those lessons and use those mistakes for the information that they provide us instead of letting them kind of bog us down emotionally and, and burn us out and make us quit, essentially. So um, th- that was one of the first time boundaries I changed for myself. And I thus changed to 90-minute sessions. The only uh, 60-minute sessions that I offer are uh, ongoing monthly sessions. So I have a couple of clients that I see every single month just ongoing, um, and we meet for an hour every month. That's because it's ongoing, and I know that I'm going to see them uh, next month, and they get a follow-up report afterwards. I I don't feel rushed for information. I don't feel pressed for time. And I don't feel like I have to cram anything. I feel like I have enough space. So those are the only 60-minute appointments I offer. Other than that, if you have a session with me, it's 90 minutes. Once in a blue moon, we don't hit the full 90 minutes. Rarely, though. It's me. We know that I'm going to take the full 90, even if you don't. I'll make sure you get your money's worth. I promise you that. Um, So you need to think about that. You need to think about how you are able to realistically, like what boundaries you're able to realistically hold in session. Uh, An hour... Uh, might be way too long for you. So in our tarot reading, when I was very, very first starting out, and I mean really early, an hour tarot reading was way too draining on me, way too draining. I didn't have the experience, so I didn't have the confidence under my belt yet. And so honestly, an hour was an it was about 30 minutes of me feeling totally on my game. And like I was giving a really quality reading. And then it was about 30 minutes of me feeling like a fish out of water, trying to just function and survive and get through the reading as best as possible and not get eaten alive by the imposter syndrome I was under. So I had to learn, okay, for tarot readings, for now, for now, I'm going to cap at 30 minutes. Big fucking deal. And I learned very quickly, the more and more clients I saw, um, I gained that experience and I gained that confidence. And lo and behold, a couple months later, I reopened for hour-long readings after that. And I I had no problem with them. And I started loving. That was <laughs> that was the beginning of my love for long sessions. <laughs> I didn't have such a hard time. But you'll find that if you're a beginner, you're going to face a lot of imposter syndrome because we were conditioned in this society to believe that spiritual services are like woo-woo and silly and dumb. And and you bet your ass, even if someone's really excited to book with you and sit down with you, you're going to face those (laughs) years and generations of conditioning of that information. Trust me, we all have to process through it in our own way. And so it's really, really normal at the beginning to feel like, you you can't fill up a lot of time or you don't have a lot to say that's okay just lean it this is what i mean by this this tip about understanding and knowing your time boundaries don't create your time boundaries deadlines schedules promises of any kind don't base them off of what you think other people think you should be delivering in that timeline Like, don't base it off of other people's expectations of your speed. 
ju- just only base it off of your own speed. Only that. Only base it off of your own brain, your own capacity, your own processing time, your own turnaround time. Seriously. And adjust as necessary. I used to be able to turn around a client report in like 48 hours because I didn't have a full schedule at all. I only, you know, I didn't used to see, especially astrology at the beginning, I didn't used to see more than like maybe one astrology client a month. And so it was really easy for me to turn around those session reports. (laughs) I'm up to my ears in session reports and content creation and backend work, like constantly creating and having to like write up information like that. And so now my client or yeah, my client report turnaround time has adjusted to a week and a half. So whatever day we have your session on, I will get you your report by the end of the following week, period. That's my turnaround time. That's what's realistic. Um, So again, you're not going to figure it out right the first time. And these things are going to change over time. But it's up to you to think about all of these different things. So when you're listing out your, your service, it's going to be this long. It's going to come with this. I'm going to do this. When you're listing out all the features, you need to think about what you can actually provide. And that's my next tip is client experience. You need to genuinely be realistic with yourself about what you can provide. It's okay that you can't provide exactly what Joe Schmo does down the street from you. It's okay that you can provide on certain things that Joe Schmo can't and vice versa. Some things maybe you do overlap on and you can, you can also provide that. But I, I have, I've played the comparison game, my friends, and I'm telling you, it's really not taking you anywhere. You can, you can learn. Okay. You can learn from your colleagues. You can, you know, Ashley, Star State Shadows. Ashley and I love swapping business info, like the different systems that we use, the different softwares and platforms that we try out, the different services that we try out, the different investments that we try out, the different um, types of content and messaging and strategies, all of that stuff. We love getting each other's feedback and we take that information and do with it what we're going to uniquely do with it. We don't turn it into a comparison cycle game. And I don't say, well, Ashley's able to provide this and I'm not able to. I must be a shitty quality service provider. I better make myself be able to provide this. No, there's things about both mine and Ashley's lives and lifestyles and experiences and everything about like, our capacities and what we're able to provide that are different than each other. So it wouldn't make sense to try and hold myself to the same exact standard as anybody. Okay. So again, when you're listing out what you're able to provide, make sure you do like you can really deliver on that. If it's 60 minutes, if it's um, a session report or a PDF or a custom video, like uh, this is the biggest, biggest mistake I see most small business owners do is they they try and beef up their services. So it looks like, look at all this value that you get. And it's like, cool, but it, it means shit if it's half-ass quality, right? Like if you can't truly deliver on all those things, then those things mean nothing. If you're listing out in a service, 10 things that come with that service, 
How about instead you look at the main four that you can fucking provide and deliver to the best of the best of the best? You know what I mean? That's the better way to 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 go about it. And just lean, lean, sorry, lean into that. <laughs> Lead with that. And trust in that, trust in, in that authentic path for yourself. Really, I, a lot of business ownership is being realistic about your time boundaries and having to just trust that there are people that their schedules and time boundaries and all that align with that. And guess what? There are, I promise, I promise. I'm speaking from experience. If you hold those time boundaries, um, the people that those boundaries don't work for like we talked about last time in the great universe pinball machine, they'll bounce right off, mate, for whatever reason you weren't supposed to work with each other. But someone's going to come along that your time boundaries align perfectly with, okay? Now, also client experience is kind of a two-parter here. It is about actually offering and delivering what you say that you're going to. Um, but it's, also about actually providing and delivering on the unspoken stuff as well. And what I'm talking about is the back-end technological, um, more logistic side of things, aka your scheduling, booking, and payment platforms and software. So we talked very briefly, we touched very briefly last time on, um, it's a red flag of a spiritual service provider to uh, to be really disorganized and not very respectful of their own time or other people's time and to not be very communicative about it, all of those different things. So I want to elaborate on this. It is totally, totally normal. Um, we all go through phases <coughs> of our lives where we're just like barely keeping our heads above water. And one of the first things to go when we're that way is time management, okay? It happens to all of us, me included. Uh, no matter how successful somebody is, they become a victim to poor time management. Even corporations do. This is always a sign of something. It's always a time, a sign of something that needs to be addressed um, when you're having mismanaged time like that. So sometimes it's a need for a break, like you're hitting burnout and it's a need for slowing down. Uh, sometimes it's a sign of scaling and growth. Uh, so like you're having too much customer demand and it means like you need to hire out for extra help or you need to raise your prices. Like there's there, when you're having too much demand and you're overworked, there's an, you're, it's a good sign. It's frustrating as fuck to be in the middle of. Um, but it is actually a good sign that you're, you're doing something right. Um, it means that usually that it's time to scale and, and it feels scary and risky, but you need to scale and grow somehow. But, um, do know that mismanaged time is a sign of something greater. This is a topic that we're going to explore, um, a little bit more in a few weeks here. So I don't want to go too much into it, but I did want to provide that validation first before I say all of that's valid and it's so important that you try and get your shit together. <laughs> I'm serious. It's just, it's really, and I don't mean it in a harsh way, but I mean it in a, it is important to try to be consistent. Okay. We're not going to be perfect. I never said that it's important to try and be a robot. I didn't say it's important to try and be perfect. 
All I said is it's important to try and be consistent. That's it. Okay. Just try. Um, you'd be surprised just by putting your best effort out there. You're going to be a lot more consistent than you think. And you probably give yourself credit for, but if you don't try at all, it's going to be very clear and it's going to directly affect your client experience. And when your client experience is affected, when you aren't delivering on either the actual services you provide or these like technical and logistical sides of the client experience, this is where we start working with people that don't align with us because we're not setting up our universe pinball machine in an aligned way that actually flows for and with us, if you will. Okay. Sorry. I'm bumping the mic. I got a blankie on and I'm all ADHD restless wiggling around over here. Um, but I, I really, I really want you to consider this, especially if you're already a business owner and you find yourself having the issue of I'm booking clients, but I don't really like my clients. Um, usually there's something unaligned in the actual client experience. You don't, your, your brand messaging might not be as authentic as it needs to be. You need to repel people. Okay. That's part of the client experience. You need to repel people that you're not supposed to work with. It's part of the process. And in turn, you will therefore attract your aligned and dream clients. Okay. I promise you, I promise you that honestly, 10 aligned and dream clients, like over the span of a year or two of your career is so much more profitable and beneficial on a long-term scale and level than, than 200,000 meh followers and customers. I mean it. I'm not kidding about those numbers. I'm not exaggerating when I say 10 and 200,000. This is why chasing virality is, it never, ever, ever leads to longevity. It does lead to quick, quick money, quick boosts, little bursts of um, performance, things like that. And if you need that in your business, there's always, um, you know, going to, be times when it's like, oh, I could use a little boost right here. And you can totally use those strategies there. But to only implement those strategies, this is why we see so much fucking burnout. This is why there are so many holes in the foundation of influencer culture. Um, because it's not based around true authenticity. You're just attracting anyone and everyone that'll stick to the flypaper. And my friends, if you're doing that in the spiritual industry, you just watch, you pay attention to those, uh, those kind of bigger influencer type spiritual, uh, business owners and providers that, you know, that's the only kind of content they provide is that super trendy, uh, super just likable, uh, crowd pleasing content, no depth, no authenticity. Like that's, you're, you're eventually going to witness that person hit a serious, burnout. It's just not set up for longevity. So you need to provide stability and consistency. This means you need to genuinely sit down and ask yourself, okay, am I providing a smooth 
way for this person to find me, schedule a time, you know, or even before that to find me, see and understand the services I I actually offer and what I charge, figure out a way to book with me and then pay me and then actually have the damn thing and actually have the, the session. When I look at that from a good third-party perspective, am I providing a smooth experience for the client? The best way to see if you are is to literally go through your service um, process um, from another perspective. So like you could make uh, through your own personal email account, for example, you can go onto your own website and make a, a personal account and make a purchase or a schedule a, bo- a test booking. You know what I mean? Um, that's really the best way to do it. I do want to make a note. If you're somebody that does all scheduling, booking, and transactions through DMs alone, it is okay to do this, especially at the beginning, especially when you're starting out, especially when you're practicing, especially when you're really just building your portfolio. Maybe you're not even charging for your products or your services yet. You're just kind of doing a lot of service exchanges or doing things for practice. Totally cool to do things through the DMs, especially because it's this really intimate place that you can create safe space and get to know somebody. You know what I mean? It's not so public, like in the comments or whatever. And maybe you're at a point where you're like, I'm just doing this for fun and stuff. I don't need to make a website or whatever. Um, Totally, totally fine. The moment that you register a business, I mean it. Whether it's an LLC, whether whatever, a sole proprietorship, whatever it is, the moment you actually file as a legit business, even if your plan is to keep it part time, um, dude, you really can't do all your business through the DMs. Not all of it. At some point, something needs to be more professional. I'm serious. Something needs to legitimize you. That's why you need, if you want to carry this business, again, all of the DMs and doing all your business there and only using Linktree and only using these, these different services and platforms that get you around having to have your own website and stuff, all those little DIY things. Um, they're great for getting you you built and getting you on the on-ramp and getting you the momentum you need before takeoff. But the moment your wheels leave the ground, another beautiful analogy, this time an airplane. Um, I'm serious. You gotta, you gotta legitimize yourself. Think honestly, let's go with the airplane analogy. What kind of airplane do you want to fly in? <laughs> Do you want to ride in a shady one where the pilot's like, just trust me, just trust me, it's fine. I know it seems like not as as uh, legit as some other people, but I promise, I promise I'm legit. Or do you want to be in that plane where you're like, no, I know this is backed by credibility. Like this is, you know what I mean? Like that's, I'm serious. You need to provide some sort of legitimacy. So even if you're at a stage where you don't feel like you need a full-blown website necessarily, you still need to think about your client experience and how you offer actual bookings. And the reason is, um, A, like I said, it's going to attract your aligned and authentic people. And more than that, number two, or B, sorry, wherever we are, B, uh, it's going to set them up to be in a good headspace. If you have a super frustrating scheduling and payment process, they're going to show up super frustrated. 
with you already or irritated or critical or questioning or concerned. You don't want that. You want them to be showing up as open-minded as possible, right? You want them to be showing up as honest and authentic as possible because you know as a spiritual service provider, that's the best way you're going to be able to actually help them. So you have to provide that really smooth, clean uh, takeoff strip, like I said. And you have to provide the legitimate aircraft. You have to provide that trust is essentially what I'm trying to say, okay? Um, Now, as far as my little tips for booking, by the way, uh, especially for beginners, I just wanted to throw this in there. Uh, Whenever you book... If you've never booked somebody before and you're asking like, what do I need? Um, Obviously, you need a way to schedule that person and get them on a calendar um, and get them some kind of way to mark their calendar, okay? So I use, honestly, Google Calendar because most people use Gmail and it's just a really easy way to um, add an event to both of our calendars. And I use Zoom, so I paste the Zoom link directly in my calendar invite. Um, So you need some kind of way to get a calendar, reminder, event, task, whatever on their calendar. Um, you need to get them, whether it's a Zoom link for a virtual session or an address or directions or whatever, if it's going to be an in-person situation. Um, and then before that transaction is over, here's everything that you need prior to that session. You need contact information from them. Do not just do business in the DMs with someone on a first name basis and all you have is their Instagram DMs as a way to get a hold of them. You need at least one backup of info. Um, that could be a phone number, it could be an email, it could be both, but you need some kind of contact information, okay? Because you just never know, trust me, and it's always the ones you didn't get the contact information from that you need it for. Um, now, payment. We talked a little bit about prices from the customer point of view and how if they have this strong emotional reaction to a price point, then that just means they're not aligned to work with that person. They can move on and find something that works for them. Um, This is a very different conversation from this point of view. You do need to price what you're worth and you do need to take market research into consideration. You need to do market research. Market research means, and I'm sure a lot of you are like, I know. Well, do you? Because nobody does it. (laughs) Market research means genuinely looking at other tarot readers, astrology readers, whatever it is that somebody that does something similar to you with your similar experience level. Okay. Don't look at someone who's been doing it 30 years more than you. That's very different. Um, Look at someone more similar to you and your experience and everything and take into consideration your personal experience level and everything, Uh, not just like in your actual skill or trade, but how long you've been in business because um, that matters too, okay? And you need to go with your gut 
And you need to know your prices can change and your prices will change. And you're not going to get them right the first time. And you're going to go through phases where you price yourself way too low. And you're going to go through phases where you price yourself too high. And the imposter freaking syndrome, again, eats you alive from the inside. And you're going to go through all that again. You're going to learn from experience as far as pricing goes. But the best way to go about it is to listen to your gut. I mean it and just do your market research, okay? And you can always, always start out with beta pricing, which means like offering beginner pricing. So beta just means like, I'm a beginner service provider. You're some of my first clients. I'm going to offer a special discount for this new program that I offer, for example. Um, You can offer entry discounts. You know what I mean? Like you can do service trades at the beginning to build your portfolio instead of doing a price, okay? Like there's lots of different ways. Um, but just do your best. Don't get too bogged down by the price thing. And you can ask around for people's opinion. I don't recommend this. I recommend the market research more than asking friends and family because a lot of people have opinions that aren't spiritual service providers and have no knowledge of any of this. And they're going to tell you it's way too cheap or way too expensive and have no basis for that information. So do your market research. It's it's much more reliable information and listen to your gut. You can even ask your cards. You can ask your guides, um, maybe come up with some prices and do some pendulum work um, and see what the pendulum tells you. Maybe it's leaning toward one price over another. Okay. You can do it really intuitively and logically. All right. Um, now, uh, price info check done that aside. Now, before you get to this session, you need to decide what your payment policies are. You need to decide how you're taking payment. Um, and you need to decide how you're keeping track of that. Again, especially if this is for a legitimate business and it's not just for fun, you need to track it somehow, even if it's just in a Google, uh, sheet, like an Excel sheet or whatever. Okay. Um, if you're doing business through the DMS and on Venmo, again, you just need to provide as much legitimacy as possible for them and for yourself. You need this information, especially later on for taxes. So, um, keep track of that information, know your policies, come up with your refund and your cancellation policies ahead of time before you schedule your first client. Because every single person who didn't do that learned the hard way, (laughs) which was me. Um, And so you want to come up with like, uh, how off, like, maybe you offer refunds up until a certain point. Um, I'll offer refunds up until 24 hours prior cancellation. You can get a full 100% refund. Um, but if you cancel the day of, you're subject to up to a 50% refund because that means I've already spent probably at least a couple of hours preparing. Um, and then uh, if you no call, no show, that could be subject to potentially no refund or even less um, or or to there might be a cancellation fee. Um, you need to come up with a refund policy that not only respects you and your boundaries, but that you're going to realistically uphold. So don't say you're going to not refund people if you are going to refund people. Like you don't have to do that. But I still recommend that you have a strong refund policy so that you don't get jerked around, quite honestly. You know what I mean? And it's easy to get jerked around at the very, very beginning when our prices are a little lower and we don't we're maybe not attracting our most dream clients yet, right? So we need to protect ourselves really, really well with good policies. Um, 
And then uh, you need to decide if when you want to take payment. So some people uh, request a deposit at time of scheduling. Some people require uh, payment in full at time of scheduling. Some people require payment after the session is complete. Listen, I learned through my own experiences what I learned. And the byproduct of my personal experiences is I take payment in full at scheduling. Um Now, I offer payment plans on basically anything that I offer other than um, that witch school, because that's because it's a monthly subscription. Um, But I offer payment plans on everything, and I make that very clear, but you have to communicate that to me, essentially. Um, So I don't always have to take payment in full, but if we're not doing a payment plan, in order to get on the calendar, I have you pay me in full. Um, a lot, this is really common and a lot of spirit, like newbies feel really like bad doing that. I used to feel really bad doing that. Um, but you'll find even outside of the spiritual industry, that's actually just very commonplace, honestly. And it's, it's to protect the spiritual service provider. It's different when you're in retail and you don't lose anything until that product physically leaves your ownership. You know what I mean? Um, but if you're a spiritual provider, you very likely are doing, um, a lot of things ahead of time and giving up space on your, your calendar is literally giving up some money. You know, if, if, if you didn't get paid for that time, it would be losing money. So that's why you have to keep that in mind. So keep your refund policies, um, in mind, write them out, make them clear at time of booking, and then follow through with whatever those payment decisions are, whether it's taking payment right then or taking payment later on. Um, and then lastly, my tip for, uh, like what to get from them before they're done booking and before, or, you know, at time of booking, but before the session is I find that it's really great as a spiritual service provider to ask some questions that provoke intention setting. So we talked about this on the last one. Um, it's really common and normal to show up and accidentally be like, I didn't cast any intentions for today. And your spiritual service provider's like, oh, what do you want us to focus on? And you're like, I have no idea. Um, in order to avoid that, because if you are a tarot reader, astrology reader, whatever it is, you've probably had that experience where someone sits down, you're like, okay, what questions do you have for the cards today? Or what do you kind of want to talk about? And someone sits down, they're like, I have no idea. And you're like, so why are you here? (laughs) Um, Especially if it's a stranger. It's one thing if you at least know that person, you can kind of figure out a direction to go in. But for a complete stranger, um, what I find is really beneficial, especially for online service providers. It's a lot easier in person to read the vibe of somebody at a reading and kind of guide a reading free ball like that. But one of my favorite things to do as an online reader or service provider is to give a booking form that gathers all the information that you need. So it lists my booking form lists my cancellation and refund policies. Um, it gets that contact information that I mentioned. It asks them if they need a payment plan or if they're going to pay in full. Um, and then it also asks constructive questions that I need. So for example, people used to forget to send me their birth chart info. And I was like, hello, I need to prepare (laughs) for your session. Um, And so I started putting that in the booking form and you can't even book with me until you submit that form. So um, that's really helpful. And this can be done in email. This can be done on a form. Um, But 
get having some sort of way to ask these questions really is helpful. So I'll ask like their birthday, um, their birth chart information. And then I'll ask what made you want to get a reading today? Um, I think one of my questions is, have you ever had a spiritual session before? Um, is there any person that you've been wanting to talk about today? A lot of times because I'm a death witch, um, a lot of people either purposefully or subconsciously without realizing it are drawn to me in grief work. And more often than not, that's why I started asking that question ahead of time, because that would kind of pop up mid reading. And after a few sessions, I was like, man, it'd be really helpful to know this ahead of time because I could actually prepare for it and give them a much better reading and interpretation of this person. Um, and so I, I started saying it. You'll find that if you ask your client those constructive and specific questions, um, they'll have something to answer. If you ask, what do you want to talk about today? And it's a little more open-ended. They're going to feel a little more blocked and be like, I don't know. But you can say something more specific, like what made you want to get a reading today? If you could ask the tarot cards any question, what would it be? Like ask those specific questions, okay? Um, and do some kind of, do it at some point during your booking process, if at all possible, because it is just going to benefit you and your preparation. And again, just like we talked about with all this client experience stuff, it's going to get your client in the right energetic and headspace to show up with better mindful intentions for you. Okay. Now, very, very similar to the last episode, as far as preparation goes, um, I definitely want you to respect and do your spiritual hygiene basics as well. If you're the service provider, do not forget to ground, cleanse, and protect your energy. And don't forget to set your own intentions. Sometimes my intention is the same for lots of clients. So like maybe the intention is more general and it's like, I intend to be completely present with, you know, fill in the blank of that person's name. Um, I really intend to be present with Danny today and, um, and be in her energy and offer her my best. Uh, you know, that's a same intention. I can just change the name of the person, um, that I, I intend it for, um, client to client, but it's still an intention. It still helps get my mind consciously and subconsciously focused, okay, and really centered around that client and that person. Um, so set your own your own intentions as well. And another little tip that I have, if you're friends with them on social media, sometimes it's great before a reading to go look at some of their pictures or their recent posts, especially if you follow them, because you'll just really step into their energy, honestly. And it can be a really, really great way to ground into their energy prior to the session. Um, also similar to last time, I have the same uh, tip on the flip side here. Spiritual service providers, you also need a pen and paper to take notes your client is going to tell you shit. And depending on the client, they might be telling you a lot of shit. And if you end up sending any kind of follow-up um, that you have to type up later, again, you might feel just as overwhelmed with a ton of information and download as the client does. So do yourself a favor, set yourself up for success and write some of that stuff down. 
Or if you do record your uh, sessions like I do, you can also totally go back and listen to them while you're uh, writing a recap or a summary or a follow-up or whatever that is. That would be totally okay too. But I love having a pen and paper because sometimes the client might be talking and I think of a question that I have for them, but I don't want to interrupt them. So I write it down. Um, So you need pen and paper, okay? And then I also want spiritual service providers to ask quality questions, just like we talked about last time. Um, I find that most new service providers, again, spiritual industry, are up against this imposter syndrome of feeling like they need to prove their knowledge, skills, or spiritual gifts. And so they think it's going to be some kind of knock against their credibility or their ability if they ask any questions. I remember this in some of my very first friends that I made in the industry and um, some of the clients I came upon. And there definitely is, when it comes to inexperienced readers and inexperienced clients, there can be this old conditioned belief that if the spiritual service provider asks you a question about their life, they're like, scamming you, you know, like the old school psychic crystal ball who asks you all these questions. And then miraculously, she knew everything about your life when really it's because she asked you all those questions. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you're a stranger. I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. And honestly, even if you're not a stranger, even the readings I've given to my friends, I'm going to ask questions about their bias their thought process, their opinions, their views, their beliefs, their experience, how they understand things. Because how the fuck can I expect to give them the best advice and insight possible without any of that information? And why is that cheating? I want to remind everybody that the only reason that that would be cheating is if we were showing up as some fucking dog and pony show. We were just some trick for people to look on and and see how I magically know your future. This is 2022. That's not what psychic services are for anymore. Sorry. They're for personal growth and development and transformation. And so... Yeah, your service provider should. I really encourage you. Ask your client questions. Ask them the mindful, conscious, and intentional questions that I said that they should be asking you as well. Okay, so I ask people, like, they'll tell me about maybe it's something really traumatic that they went through or what, you know, I'll say, okay, well, what did you think about that though? How did it feel when? when someone said that to you and how does it feel saying that out loud right now? Like ask them questions. Um, Say, was there a person in your life? Maybe you pull the King of Cups reversed. Was there a person of authority in your life that totally emotionally manipulated you or made you feel emotionally unsafe? That's a fair question to ask. That's not... (laughs) cheating. Um, I I hope I was able to break through that little myth a little bit. Please ask questions to your clients. I, at the beginning, I used to just tell clients, just so you know, um, I'm going to ask a lot of questions during this session because I'm trying to make it as personal and aligned for you as possible. And now I don't even disclaimer that anymore because I don't 
feel bad asking questions, but um, don't be afraid to and write it down on your pen and paper. Uh, Okay. Speaking of which, state your boundaries. Uh, Next tip is state your fucking boundaries. Do it at the beginning of the session. Do it prior to the session. Um, State your boundaries whenever and wherever you can in a professional and, and kind way. So at the beginning of my sessions, especially with a brand new client, every single new client that I get, I give the exact same disclaimers to. And I all, I've been doing this for, God, years now. Um, I always say um, the types of questions I am and am not willing to answer. Um, I have boundaries. So I don't answer uh, like if you're going to die or when you're going to die. I don't answer if you're going to get pregnant or when you're going to get pregnant or if you're going to meet your soulmate next year or if you should quit your job. I don't answer questions that put the the querent or the client's uh, decision-making into my hands. I don't make decisions for anybody. Uh, I can give my opinions and I'll give my opinions where I see fit and where I feel comfortable. But overall, my goal is to provide information so that you feel prepared and empowered to make your own decisions and be in control of your own path. I literally say that to new clients. That's kind of my spiel that I give. I also let people know that I do not use my spiritual gifts to manipulate or take advantage of anything. Um, So I, I will not use my skills, knowledge, or gifts to tell somebody how to like harm people and harm innocent people and take advantage of them and hurt them and stuff. I don't use um, my work for that. And, uh, I also let people know that I don't answer any legal or medical advice of any kind, uh, those different kinds of things. And again, I say this to every single new client, it goes in their session report and I say it out loud in session and these boundaries are on my website. Um, Put them everywhere. State your boundaries. Talk about them on Instagram, on your platforms. Talk about it on your podcast. Talk about it on YouTube. Put it, like I said, put it in your slideshow presentation you give your client. Say it before you shuffle the cards or while you're shuffling them. Whatever it looks like for you, do not be afraid to be very vocal about your boundaries. Just do it in a tactful way. You know, you don't have to be like attacking about it in your tone with, you can still be very, very, um, firm in your standing while still being really friendly and respectful. And honestly, if it's an aligned and dream client that you're working with, they're just going to feel super safe and really validated as you go through those boundaries, because they're going to be like, oh, this is a person that maintains the same kind of boundaries that resonate with me that I try and maintain in my life. I feel comfortable sharing with them, like these kinds of things. Okay. Um, All right. Now, a couple last tips here. Uh, You're going to do a lot of talking. Like I said, it's your responsibility to actually hold the time boundaries, to pay attention to the clock um, so that you know when to start, know when to wrap up, all these things while still allowing for the client to be able to ask questions and to be able to let the client talk. So, Yes, your service provider is going to talk a lot, especially depending on whatever the service is. Um, But your client, they're going to talk too. And so it is important to maintain this boundary 
and balance, I guess I should say more of letting them feel really comfortable to talk and share without feeling like rushed. And if you're getting pressed for time and you have a talker, it's just, it happens. I'm a talker. It doesn't mean anything personal against them. <coughs> it's just a fact. Some of us over talk. There's usually tons of reasons for it. Um, but sometimes we're being time blind to that. And it's the spiritual, it's the, it's the service provider's responsibility to keep you on track there. Okay. So you can't let a client blow you past an hour past your end time and blame it on them being a talker. Like you have to find that balance and you have to find the confidence to be able to say like, okay, I just, you, you just say something like, okay, I just want to make sure that we have quality time to get through the rest of um, the info that I have for you today and make sure you have time at the end to ask me any questions that you might have before we go. And usually when you present the information that way, it's, it's the perfect amount of a cue and a reminder to that person to also be more mindful of the clock. Um, but it's true. You're coming from, uh, you're coming from the intention and the approach that you're really trying to provide them the best, the best service possible for you. Okay. Um, now you do want to ask them leading into the next tip. You do want to ask them at the end, if they have any questions, you want to try and plan for that at the very end. Okay. Try and leave around a 10 minute, depending on how long you need. Maybe it looks more like 15 minutes or so of like question and answer time. How do you feel? And I always really recommend asking this. How do you feel at the end of our reading or at the end of our session today? Um, maybe you say, how do you feel at the end compared to how do you feel at the beginning or whatever? But I do some kind of post check-in because a good service provider gives you some kind of way to integrate their information. It's really important that you're not just reading them a bunch of confirmation and validation about their experience. You also need to provide them with tools and information that guides them and inspires them to move forward and actually do something with that information. So you want, one of the best ways to do that and be able to provide that is asking at the end, how are you feeling? And that way you you can accurately read their energy and understand how that experience is for them. And then you can better advise, you know, how they can move forward after that. You can round out and close out the session in a more aligned way based on whatever their energy is at the end. Sometimes the end of a reading, the person feels way better, you know, but sometimes at the end of the reading, a person feels way heavier. And that doesn't mean you did anything wrong. That's just where the session was. It was a heavy session. You know what I mean? But I like to be able to provide somebody with a good closing experience based on however they're feeling. So if they are feeling particularly heavy, I want to know that so that I can provide them with some extra grounding, extra cleansing, and extra protection tips um, so that they can kind of integrate back into reality, if you will, after our session. You definitely have to reground. You need everybody, the client, the pro the service provider, everybody after a session needs to ground their energy afterwards. You need to do your spiritual hygiene before and after. Um, but asking them how they are provides that space. And honestly, at the end of a session, 
it just really highlights your your genuine and authentic compassion. And that's going to facilitate a more long-term relationship with this person, especially if you want them to be a return client. Ending the session on a really compassionate note like that is a really great way to foster that that relationship with that person. So um, keep that in mind. And then lastly, I do recommend a follow-up of some kind. So like I said, I was, I promised I would elaborate a little bit on my follow-up. Um, you want to send a follow-up for a few reasons. Number one, you want to give them, people have all different kinds of learning styles and how they retain information. And depending on your reading, you just overloaded them with info. So, and most of that was verbal audio, you know, that's how they received it. So offering them something on, you know, more pen and paper or like typed, it could be digital, obviously. Um, that can be really, really beneficial, something that they can go back and revisit on their own time, in their own pace, in their own space. So I recommend a follow-up of some kind. Now, like I said, I provide a client um, summary uh, uh, session report, okay? And it's really cute, this digital PDF document, depending on the style or the type of session you get from me, changes the kind of report that you get. So. Um, for a really big session, like a big birth chart reading, you get this really big uh, uh, PowerPoint presentation. For my monthly clients, it's more of a shorter uh, couple page document report. You know what I mean? So it kind of depends. So I've I've had uh, services done for me where I just got a really good chunky email summary afterward, and that's totally fine. But something you need to follow up somehow, not only because you want to uh, really foster and nurture multiple learning styles and retention styles, like I said, but also because, again, you're going to further facilitate and further foster that relationship. You're going to set it up for better better long-term and loyal customer potential. Okay, so you always want some kind of follow-up for that. And you got to get a review somehow you need to provide them space to give you a review. Even if it's just sending a re- an email with a typed out summary and maybe a typed out, it's a summary and some tips you have for moving forward. And at the very end, you say, would you mind responding to this email with any questions you have? And if you enjoyed our time together, I would love your feedback and your review. You could just type it in your response right back to me. You do want to make the review process as easy as possible. Because like we talked about last time, I don't know what it is, but people really hate leaving reviews. <laughs> we are all bad about it. Um, all of us need this reminder, but service providers, you got to remember to provide the space for it and make it easy. If you have a shitty, difficult, complex review platform or system you're not going to get any reviews or you're going to get not great ones. Um, So you want it to be easy for them. Um, But you also want to provide, if if you're trying to get specific information out of your clients, like data that you're trying to collect, you need to ask those specific questions. Don't expect people to give a big, long, beefy review. It's pretty rare. Um, Most people will give you, if you just say, hey, can you write me a review? Um, They'll usually just give you two to three sentences at most. Um, If you have some kind of form, uh, you could even in that 
email, you could say, could you fill out this review below? And all it is is literally you typed out questions. Um, you can say things like, what did you enjoy about our time together? What could, would you suggest um, I could improve on for next time? Was there anything you wanted to explore today that we didn't get to? Um, anything that you want to collect data on, put it in your review form. Ask that question. If you don't ask it, I promise you people won't answer it, okay? Um, but this is the best way to obviously build your portfolio and show your organic portfolio to people like, this is what my customers have to say about me. Um, but it's a great way to just get information about your customers so that you can provide a better experience for them, okay? So this might be an episode that you listen to a couple of times. Um, because being on the business side of things in this little exchange is going to be more complex. You know, for the, for the customer, this might be much more of a one and done kind of a situation. And for the business owner, this is more likely more of a lifestyle situation, um, that we're dealing with here. So this is kind of the tip of the iceberg. Like I said, this is really a, a tip into, client experience and beginner spiritual service business ownership. Uh, we'll definitely be talking more about this stuff, but I really would love to hear any questions that came up for you. If there was anything that you wanted me to elaborate on after this, or if this just brought up any thoughts for you, I would also love to hear your experiences both as the customer and client and as the service provider. It could be just a funny story that happened to you. It could be a situation that happened to you that you think other people should know about so that it doesn't happen to them. Uh, it could be your tips and suggestions, like I said. So I would love to hear from you on this. Uh, so don't be shy. Thatwitchnextdoor.com slash conjure that witch. If you're in that witch school, just send me a message directly inside Mighty Networks. And yeah, this was great. I am so excited to keep talking more about all this stuff. I hope it inspired all of those budding, amazing spiritual biz owners out there. Uh, I'm here for you if you need me. And I can't wait to see you again this Friday. We are going to be on our last uh, planetary energy for the Astro minicast that we're doing, uh, How to Work with the Sun. Uh, so I will see you this Friday for that. Until then, everybody, stay safe, have a fun week, and stay magical out there. Hey, magical human. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That Witch Podcast. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to share with a friend or give a shout out on your social media. You can also leave a five-star rating and review on both Apple and Spotify. And if you can't get enough of all of our witchy, magical content here in the neighborhood, you definitely want to make sure you're subscribed to my email newsletter, That Witch Gazette. It's a really fun, really convenient one-stop shop to stay up to date on all of the news and happenings here in our neighborhood. If you have any questions, suggestions, ideas for the show, or if you'd like to sponsor an episode, you can send me a message at thatwitchnextdoor.com slash conjure that witch. Thank you so much. I'll see y'all next time.